Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. Please make sure your seatbelt is securely fastened, your tray table is in an upright and locked position, and that you are ready to get weird and think different. Please prepare for takeoff. Today is Wednesday. It is February 17th, and we're back with another episode of Destination Different. For the second month in a row, Destination Different has its highest number of listens ever. That's right. Two months straight, highest number of listens. Have I been doing anything differently? Absolutely not. It's the exact same thing. The exact same format, just great guests every week, every Wednesday, hitting you over the face with it. I'm actually telling people about it a little bit more. You know, everybody I talk to now, I say, yeah, you know, you should listen to the Destination Different podcast. Every Wednesday, I'm posting on Instagram, I'm posting on Reddit, I'm posting on other places. I'm texting friends, hey, here's a link, you should check this out. I'm asking my guests to share it out when, when they're featured on the show. It's working magic. I mean, we're not, this isn't astronomical growth by any stretch, but just the consistent over and over and over repeatedly bashing people in the head with the fact that I have a podcast and they should listen to it has done wonders for the listenership numbers. So it just keeps slightly crawling upwards and to the right. And if we can keep that trend going, that's a damn good thing. So I'm going to keep coming back with episodes, interviews every single Wednesday. The consistency seems to be working. It seems to be a key to this whole puzzle. And so, of course, we have another great, great, great guest on this week's show. Her name is Lizzie Connaughton, and she is an artist, architect, urban designer by trade. So Lizzie and I actually went to school together at Boston College. She then went on to continue her studies in art and architecture and urban design at Notre Dame and has now traveled all across the world working in London, working in Rome, honing her craft as, a, as an architect and a kind of an urban designer. And we get all into that because I said one of my first questions was, can you explain to me what an urban designer is like I'm a five-year-old? So we talked all about that. We talked about how she has you know, very recently in the last three or four months started more actively selling her own personal art. She's done everything from flamingos, maybe not flamingos, toucans is more the bird I'm looking for, nude sketches. She's done these beautiful pieces of flora and fauna. It's, it's unbelievable what she's, what she's created. She's super, super, super talented. Uh, and we had the, the great chance of, of cat, catching up and, and getting to chat about what she's been up to and, and some of her plans Lizzie, as of, I don't know, a year and change ago, left her job at an architectural firm to kind of pursue art on her own full time. She's always had this itch that she wanted to create a business and work for herself, and and she's now done that. And so we talked about what is the business side of art and how is she making a living off of her creations. And it was just a fascinating interview and a great chance to, to catch up with her and and hear what she's been what she's been up to. I will say, for maybe one of the first times on Destination Different, 
We had a few connection issues. I think everything is pretty well solved in this episode, in this interview that you're about to listen to. But if there are a little few occasional jumpy spots, please bear with me because it is a fantastic interview and I want you to still get all the goodness that Lizzie had to share. So I will shut up now because this is a fantastic episode, fantastic interview. And with that, I will pass it along to Lizzie Connaughton, artist, architect, urban designer. Hope you enjoy. Sitting in a studio with a nude model, just painting a uh, 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 nude model. Oh my God, Ryan! The first time I did this at BC, um, I had I like for some reason was in a class with like a lot of older kids at BC, and it was the first time I did a nude figure thing. Um, mm-hmm. And I just like started laughing hysterically, but everybody else was really serious, and I was like wait guys and so but then you just like go and get into it and um it starts to not even become a weird thing at all obviously you're just I mean you probably did the same thing I, I did never I've never done a, a um, nude model no <laughs> well the first time it was a guy and so I was like oh my god like I can't believe I'm looking at this naked guy on my college campus but no it's thing to do like obviously weird at first and probably weird for most people to think about you doing that but um I know all the like artists for forever did that because it's a major it's like a study in proportion and everything and it's kind of one of the key things you know for artists to um master if that makes sense okay yeah so I, yeah. I mean I, I of course that was like what my first question was going to be like painting <laughs> artists. but so if we yeah. go back maybe a little bit further like when did you start Cause like you studied art in undergrad, you obviously like went through a ton of education in like the art field, the design mm-hmm. field. Like, when did you start getting into art as a kid? Like were your parents artistic? Like how did this sort of interest start for you? Mm-hmm. Well, my mom um, came from a family of. Also your mom has people. like an unbelievable name, right? I know she's um, Serbian. It's Dragana. So okay. yes. Amazing name. <laughs> and then the Irish last name. So it's funny, but um no her brother was like a very gifted artist and then um her cousin too and he like taught at the MFA and all this stuff but she a lot of people kind of like discourage kids from doing artistic things and she really made sure like no I'm I'm always gonna encourage her I'm gonna put her in every class whatever so I took classes at like I don't know the MFA um, in Boston when I was like really little. Um, and obviously I just like gravitated towards that, but I feel that everybody's creative. Sometimes people are just, you know, pushed some ways and some people are, um, discouraged by, you know, whoever. Mm -hmm. So, so as you were, so you were clearly like very young and we're starting to get like put into art and, um, like at what point did you make the choice to like, study because I mean you obviously it wasn't like your only thing that you did in college but at what point did you decide Mm -hmm. like I'm going to study art and this is going to be like something that I do for a career potentially um (laughs) did you know it was ever going to be like a career no um and honestly I'm just amazed that I can make it a career which is why I would encourage like everybody who does want to do art or artistic things in general to just like you know, believe in themselves and do exactly what 
um, you know, they want to do because I think naturally when you're being that authentic and making your craft that people will obviously appreciate it. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of like a subliminal thing, but no, I just wanted to do art as like a second major at BC, honestly, because I just loved it. Um, Mm -hmm. and it would like complement whatever else, but I never thought that I could, you know, make money off it or make a living off it. And what made you decide, because obviously like studying art as a like, you know, a a second major in undergrad is different than like going to get your master's in like architecture and urban design. Mm -hmm. So like what made you continue to sort of push that education and go that that route? Um, I had a cousin who worked, who was an architect in London um, and she told me to do like because I was always interested in architecture and design I kind of actually struggled with art at BC um it was actually only at, maybe when I was in architecture school that I began to like um loosen up about it a little bit but as weird as that sounds um but she encouraged me to do a summer class at Harvard just to try it see if I liked it um and so I did that while I was still in college and then I immediately I mean I fell in love with it it's like it's hard work, but it doesn't feel like work at all when mm-hmm. you're doing design. Um, it's like an amazing, all just puzzle pieces. And then, so it's like, that's gratifying in itself when you solve the issues. And then um, also you can just help people with it, um, which is amazing. So um, yeah, I just decided to go into architecture school like right away. And after, okay, I want you to talk a little bit. I want you to talk a little bit about like what that means to like loosen up as an artist. Cause I've had a couple <laughs> other artists on the show and believe it or not, like, I think that same exact, like, wor- like verbiage has been used. So I don't know if that's like a common thing in the art world, but like, what did that mean for you to like, loosen up as a, as an artist? Yeah. Um, well, I think it was, I have like perfectionist tendencies, I guess, which um, I, sometimes it's good, but it's probably mostly bad because um, it can be crippling. And I think it was a mixture of really, f- um, doing a bunch of exercises to get over that and just having some more, I had to do all kinds of stuff with Notre Dame, um, especially when we went to Rome, um, things that I had never done before. So like different medium and um, I don't know, things that I had to be forced to do things really quickly. So then I couldn't be a perfectionist. And then I fell in love with doing that. And it became so much more gratifying compared Mm -hmm. to like, Oh, like I'm working so hard on this when and making it like photorealistic, but um so I think it's all about striking a balance um and then finding the medium you like to mm-hmm. you know so yeah. okay I wanted to I, that was one of my questions I had off the jump like do you have at this point you know you've now been painting drawing doing all this work for you know almost three decades at this point like what do you have a favorite medium um I love watercolor um, and that's something that I took one class at BC but then at Notre Dame we had to do it nonstop because we did um, Notre Dame's a very um, classical traditional school which is great so we did all hand drafting and all hand watercolor rending re- mm-hmm. rendering sorry um, and then so then I had to also do some like kind of like art classes too in watercolor at Notre Dame in Rome um, and then oil pastel strangely enough I did one um, nude open figure studio here in um, West Palm Beach and uh, the instructor had this huge thing of oil pastels and I've never tried it before and nobody really at BC like had us try it mm-hmm. so I just tried it and I loved it like immediately so 
yeah, it's kind of just all about trying new things until you find what fits, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so you like continue to like mix it up. Like you're not, it's never two days in a row or three days in a row where you're doing watercolor or do you kind of like go through phases where you're like, I've been doing watercolor for the last three months. Like I'm going to mix it up and go with oil pastels. Well, honestly, no, I kind of, I think some people, okay. People have different schools of thought with this, especially like just hearing things from architecture school, but people really are like master one thing like get really really good at one thing Mm -hmm. and be like as close to perfect as you can I think I fall on the total opposite side of that um and I think it's almost better to be more of like a generalist because I think each time you do something in whether it's a different medium with art or I don't know ceramics or sculpture or interior design or architecture urban design um they all kind of helped me learn about the other thing if that makes Mm. sense so I feel like it all it all is always beneficial to you to be you know a little bit broad in your range if that makes sense to make you just like a better overall artist yeah I mean yeah you just it helps you in every single discipline I think so that's why I was like I'm not gonna just go and drive this one thing home so hard and be like the best at it I I don't know Okay. That's just fair. That's just fair. Think, but, um, yeah. Okay. So I, this is, I, I I've done this a few times now where I don't understand something and I want you to like, explain it to me. Like I'm five mm-hmm. years old. So yeah. explain to me, like, what does it mean to study or to do urban design? Like what exactly, <laughs> what does that mean? Oh, oh my God. Um, it's funny. Cause most people don't even think about this at all, but I think it's like, after learning about it, it's probably like the most important thing. I don't know mm-hmm. you could ever do. Um, but basically, let's see, how do I even put this? It's essentially studying like and making cities so that it's like beneficial and helpful for human beings to live mm-hmm. correct, like to live rightly, to live greatly. So um again at Notre Dame it was a very traditional school which is why I um sought out to go there mm-hmm. um and around like mid-century the urbanism in America kind of just like fell apart they with like or yeah um just with the suburbs and then driving on highways and the zoning laws and like you have to drive here to buy your stuff your groceries and you have to drive here to take your kids to school mm-hmm. and then you have to drive here to go to work but traditionally and in most cities that everybody just innately loves um everything is like within walking distance um and I think that's like a main part of it but I mean there's so much that goes into it too it's like public space it's living in community with others it's um it's so it's like really so much but it makes sense when you think about the cities that you love and then you can kind of like analyze those characteristics of the city like i'm thinking a little bit about on a small but like boston's north end is like yes kind of amazing great, right like a good example of like the kids go to school and like in the city you can walk down the yeah. street and get a sandwich you can go to the grocery yeah. store like you can go to the park like all of that is within yeah exactly. a mile probably yeah like or like from mid-century basically until like I don't know, the 80s new urbanism kind of came along, which is this movement um, by Andres Duani and Elizabeth Plater Zybrick, which essentially is like going back to the to tradition. Um, I think people just started to realize what's wrong with the zoning laws and everything and mm-hmm. how it's kind of hindering how people live and be happy. So, okay. So it sounds like 
a, an urban designer and like what you've studied, it would be a very, like, you're not the only one, like, this is a very collaborative process. There's probably like yes. a lot of people in the pot. Like what specifically, I guess, is your role as an urban designer in like what I'm sure is politicians and, you know, city officials and all sorts of different people. Yeah. Like how do you, how do you, what is your job? Is it like sketching out, like, here's what this footprint should look like? How does, how do you fit into the, that puzzle? Yeah. Gosh, it's so, you're right. It's hard. And it's kind of a daunting task when you think about it. Um, of course, because I mean, it's hard to get anything done with, you know, mm -hmm. public policy, like that. but, um, in my last year at Notre Dame, we did an urban charrette is what they call it. Um, my best friend, Mary John, who I want to start the business with was also in that studio with me. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, essentially our role kind of hear the public and we talk to stakeholders. We talk to people who live in the neighborhood. We talk to government officials, whatever. Um, and we try to like with our education and knowledge base and experience, try to come up with ways to um yeah so essentially like the formal like drawing the drawings and like mm -hmm. placing where certain buildings should come in and whatnot um that's our role but it's kind of like a catch-all because we have to listen and like in incorporate everybody's ideas and mm -hmm. you know do the best we can with it interesting okay um okay so you've you've mm -hmm. said a couple times like you want there's kind of like something bigger that you want to do with this degree you want to start like a business with this mm -hmm. um this other student that you studied with like what, so what is that? Tell me a little bit more about that. Like what your vision is for creating a business out of this like experience in architecture, urban design, art. For sure. Um, well, I was always very frustrated with, um, gosh, I hope I don't like get in trouble with anybody by saying this, but I'll just be very transparent. I was always frustrated with um, architecture as a profession because essentially the architects, um, how do I put this? They don't necessarily have like, even though they're the most educated on this stuff, they don't mm -hmm. necessarily have any control over like how, they have some of course, but about how um, things get flushed out. Mm -hmm. And especially when it comes to real estate development, um, which is different than like single family housing, which is, you know, that's like less of an impact of course on the environment and the mm -hmm. community and whatever um the things that get put up in like huge scale are just um kind of like awful and it's like nothing anybody is taught in school whether it's a classical or traditional school or a mm -hmm. modern school um and so what we really wanted to do because of course our whole education is very much um about helping people and helping people like you know, live the best that they can. Um, we want to come up with a model that's different than other developers who um, just hire architects and kind of the architects are like the extension of their will, mm -hmm. um, but instead be architects and be the developers too. Um, mm -hmm. And hopefully we can make a much more impact, bigger impact um, at that, in that way. And we would do it incrementally too. So it wouldn't be like giant, nasty, like, stuff that's getting thrown up all over Florida and like destroying the whole mm -hmm. environment. But so yeah. it would be like, and maybe to give like an example, you're in West Palm beach and somebody mm -hmm. might come to you and say, Hey, there's this plot of land that we want to 
build X, Y, and Z things on. Mm -hmm. Can you help us like shape what that looks like? Is that like a good example of kind of how you envision this coming together? Yeah. Um, and we also want to, I mean, it's very ambitious and it's going to be like for the long haul, of course, Mm -hmm. but we also want to raise the money and be able to eventually have it kind of like work for itself, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, of course we're going to have to have investors or, you know, the bank help at first, but, um, yeah, eventually hopefully it could be something where we see a place that could be, you know, greatly helped by like whatever and then we'll do projects um mm-hmm. but yeah i got it okay yeah um, the the urban design pieces I, I had no idea you like i obviously i'll see all your paintings and see the stuff that you work on but i had no idea like that was part of your experience as well um, yeah so it sounds like you've also like studied and trained like at places all over the world and so how has that impacted your approach to design like is there a country that you've you know lived and worked in that specifically you're like oh this really has impacted my style um Mm -hmm. like what has that been like and what has the influence of your travels been on your work yeah for sure um at Notre Dame they had us all go to Rome for a year which is amazing because you're casual completely I know it's it's like unbelievable um even though I'm still way more BC fan of course but um, they had us go to Rome for a year and it was amazing because you're just immersed and essentially like living out what they're trying to teach us. Um, so I think that experience and, you know, just being, I mean, not only is it so beautiful, it's so rich in history and so many layers, but, um, I, of course, fell in love with the city and, way people live in Europe and more historic American cities like and Boston's North End like you said Mm -hmm. um that of course like really impacted me um but yeah and I interned in London too for a summer which like similar but of course more of like the Anglo-Saxon tradition which Mm -hmm. we have more in America or it's a little bit more you know can be um used in America I guess but Yeah. So it all, I mean, to me, it just makes so much sense. And a lot of people who don't get to experience that don't quite know that, Mm -hmm. you know? And like, is there a, is there a movement in the U S for like going back to kind of a European, like a European model? Like, are there, are there other architects (laughs) or urban designers that are like, Oh, we need, like, they seem to have something going or something right here. Like we should, of course, correct. Like, is that. Yeah, of course. Um, one, one place in particular which like most people if they studied architecture urban design would know about is um seaside florida and that was um essentially what it is it's like a very small i think it's like 80 acres or something like that but it's small Mm -hmm. but they made basically like a whole they designed the whole town and plotted out beforehand um and not only people are copying it like all over the place. This is um, Andres Duani again, the one who I um, talked about previously, but mm-hmm. people are copying it all over the place. And then it's just amazing too, because um, not only is it some place that people love, but it's become so, it's created so much wealth on this little plot of land mm-hmm. because of course, like the North End in Boston or like all those, I don't know, Char- downtown Charleston or 
whatever, all those traditional cities, traditional planning, even Palm Beach, the island over here, um, it's reflected in the design kind of is, um, and how much people appreciate the design is reflected in the amount of um, wealth or like the property, what the properties are going for. Yeah. Um, so yeah, people are definitely, I think there's a huge movement towards it. And I think schools are like all over the place, not just Notre Dame or Miami where he has um, connections or teaching it. So mm-hmm. got it. Yeah. And, and what, like, was there something that attracted you to the like classical style of Notre Dame or, you know, just that approach in general? Cause like, it seems like you could go, you know, a number of different directions. Like what attracted you to that as like picking totally. a school and a, yeah. a study? Um, honestly, I'm glad you asked cause I wanted to talk about it, but, um, my professor, Brian Brayman, who was actually my perspectives, which is philosophy and the mm-hmm. great books at BC. Um, he encouraged me to go there. Um, because I did, I started on the perspectives track, but then I ended up um, just majoring in philosophy, but I did a bunch of classes with him and we studied art, um, architecture, basically all the arts, literature, everything um, with the coming of modernism and essentially what, uh, I hate to sound like dogmatic here because I'm not necessarily, but especially with architecture and art, I mean, sorry, with architecture and urban design, we studied like the issues that modernism brought for that. And that Mm -hmm. was like turn of the century, mid-century, whatever, up until today. Um, And we we went like way into the philosophical side of things, of course. So I was like absolutely fascinated by that because I love philosophy and then it was merging the two. Um, And so I was like, yeah, of course, I'm going to listen to you and apply to this place. And it ended up, of course, being like the perfect place to go. but yeah. Okay. That's, I mean, it's so interesting because obviously it seems like there's a lot of different ways you can go at it and yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, I'm just curious, like how you got to where you are, um, yeah. to shift gears just a little bit, like obviously you have this kind of like architecture, urban design side career path, mm-hmm. like goals for a business, but you're also just like an incredibly talented, like painter, like illustrator, so how does what you do on the architecture side, like influence your just sort of like, I don't want to call it like consumer or like personal art style, but like, mm-hmm. is there a crossover overlap between those two worlds at all? Um, I would say, yeah, for sure. Um, I guess, it, yeah, I, I would say, yeah, that they've definitely like influenced each other, but um the, what Mary John and I want to do for the business, um, the real estate development is think about from a very holistic point of view. So that's from the largest scale, the urban design, whatever, um, all the way down to, you know, architecture interiors, and then, you know, what you put on your walls and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. the thing, I mean, the thing that I always say is that like design can make you feel like so good, but it can also make you feel like terrible. Um, mm-hmm. I think kind of like approaching it from a holistic point. I'm not Mm -hmm. exactly your question, but what, okay. I have another question off of that. What makes, what about design like can make you feel terrible? Oh gosh. Well, maybe like if I took you to this street over here and like to a strip mall down there, Yeah. (laughs) um, there's just so, especially being in Florida where it's like a 
quote unquote, like newer state um, mm-hmm. in terms of development, except for a few key um, cities. Um, there's just, I think that's what's brought it so much to my attention. There are places that I just want to avoid because I absolutely hate like driving down there. And I'd much prefer to go shopping where there's like cute little shops, like on a street that I'll enjoy walking down compared mm-hmm. to, you know, the like big, wide, nasty strip malls. Gotcha. Okay. That makes, <laughs> I, just have to be very, I have to be very like blunt about that, of course, but I feel like everybody can relate, you know? Yes. That makes, I, that makes perfect sense. I, yeah. 100% get it. Um, yeah. So it, you, it sounds, it seems like just kind of recently, at least like you've started, I mean, I don't, I don't know, but you just like launched your kind of like personal website and are like selling mm-hmm. some of your own art. Um, like what prompted you to do that? And how has, I guess, like, how has that been going um, yeah. after like starting your own site? Like, have you been selling your art for years and this is just now that you've like, you know, made it more public or like what has, what has prompted that? Um, honestly, I, how do I like explain this? Um, no, I've always wanted to, I think in my job, I wasn't quite getting enough, even though I absolutely loved it. And I loved, um, everybody I worked with in the projects we were working on, I just wasn't able to get quite enough of that, like creative outlet. Um, Mm. and of course that's like the art too. Um, it's not just the architecture, but So I started, I kind of just was, people encouraged me to post things Mm -hmm. on Instagram. And so I did. And then people just started reaching out to me and I just to make things for them to do like commissions or whatnot or to buy Mm -hmm. something. Um, And so I was able to make a little bit of money on the side while still at my job. And then I realized like, because I knew I wanted to go off and do my own thing, of course, um, Mm -hmm. or with MJ, but Um, I realized I could kind of just like go all in and if, and I was thinking to myself, I was like, all right, well, even if Mary John and I were both working for, um, in Vero beach and we had an apartment together and, um, we had it out through the whole, the end of the year, which was like this past Mm -hmm. January. But I thought to myself, I was like, all right, well, even if I can't make any money in this, I have enough savings to go ahead and like, just do it and like be happy. And then I'll just like, you know, to pay my rent. Right. Essentially. But I did start, um, it was kind of like serendipitous. And I kind of read a lot of books on this too, where it's like push past the fear and just kind of like jump all in and -hmm. just do it, do what you love. Because, um, my sister, um, hooked me up with this interior designer who right away, like right after I quit, asked me to do like four big pieces for her personal Mm -hmm. house um and it was I mean I was so flattered of course and it was so much fun and I was like wow I can like make a living off of this great Mm -hmm. I mean it was art art full-time was very much a transitional it was just very inspiring people wanted it you know yeah okay so I have have a couple questions so you were working at like an architecture firm and like was there a moment that you were like okay I'm gonna take the plunge like I'm just going all in on this Um, yeah, well, I guess I, I always knew I wanted to work for myself or start my own business. Mm -hmm. Um, and once I was able to, um, you know, start actually making some money on the side for that. Um, and I don't know, just really thinking about like happiness in general and doing 
what you love. I feel like, and this wasn't necessarily the case for me at all, but I feel like a lot of people stay in jobs that they just absolutely hate and loathe mm. and spend most of their life, like literally most of their life doing that um, because it's secure and they're scared, of course, but I had to like psych myself up for it. And then I just mm. finally, I mean, I asked to work part-time at first so that I could pursue these like greater dreams, um, which was like um, not accepted, but which is fine, of course. But mm -hmm. So then I was like, you know what, I think I just have to go for it. And we're only getting older and just kind of just go while you're fearless and like, I don't know, not it's fearless, amazing. but I, I try to act fearless, I guess. Yeah. Put on a good, put on a good front. Um, so how, like, how has it been going? Like you've now, yeah. you know, been doing this for a couple months at this point where you're, you're selling your art, you're like working mm -hmm. on commissions, like how, how have, how has the learning curve been trying to figure out like how to turn what was one sort of just like, I like doing this for fun into mm -hmm. now I'm going to do this for like to pay my bills and as like, yeah. life, lifestyle. Yeah. Um, it's been going really well. I would say at first, like that first nine months up until the end of 2020, um, mm -hmm. it was like, you know, kind of a steady like slow thing and then just this year in the beginning of the year I feel like suddenly like a ton of hard work paid off um mm -hmm. and I sold one big piece at my sister's store like a for way more money than I ever ever imagined ever being able to sell a piece of my art for um and it kind of just it was I don't know kind of like an amazing moment because I just realized that you can definitely do it. You can live comfortably and, you know, be happy, but of mm -hmm. course it's like up and downs, but right. um, yeah, no, it's, it's been really good. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I always like asking artists this and you don't have to like disclose specific numbers or anything like that, but yeah. like, how have you just like, it's, I find like art is such a finicky thing where like somebody's value mm -hmm. of something is much different than somebody else's value. So like, how have you put value on like your own art and priced your work? And like, how does that process go for you? For sure. Um, and this is where I think like a factor of where I live is really kind of just lucky for me because um, where my sister shop is and where we live here, there's a ton of wealth. Um, mm -hmm. And basically she like priced it for me. I mean, we yeah. talked about it, of course, but she has like a clientele in her store that, um, you know, it's way different than anything I could spend, of course. Mm -hmm. But so, I mean, it's really hard, Ryan it's all like, I don't know. It's like figuring it out piece by piece, basically. Yeah. And so are you like, yeah, now that, now that you've, you know, it's, it seems like you have a couple different avenues for like making sales. Like there's, you know, it's like your sister's store, you've been able to sell some stuff in there, but like, you're mm -hmm. also like, you have your website and it seems like people will like buy prints or, or originals like directly off of that. Mm -hmm. So how has that, mm -hmm. how have you started to like break up your different avenues of like, you know, you're almost your like different revenue sources. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of just like, but it's kind of just all like random if that, but making things for the brand that my sister works for, he's like amazing. It's small. It's like, it's great. It's mm -hmm. very cool. And so it's nice to tailor things to 
something for her boss. It's Walker's Zabriskie Furniture, but um, because I love his aesthetic for interior design and things like that. But um, then it's also just, it's been really nice to, I found that just going off and doing kind of what you feel like or something that your heart is really in almost mm-hmm. like pays off more than or like the same probably more though than um somebody asking you to to do a commission that your mm-hmm. heart's like not necessarily like 100 percent there or right. you know but yeah so it's so like it's it, def- it definitely seems like there's things that like are more they're more for you that end up like you know benefiting somebody else yeah. versus like when it comes it comes into you of like i have this request for this specific thing and this size yeah. for this like it's it feels less personal to you yeah, I think so. And I wonder, I think other artists maybe feel the same. I mean, sometimes it's great. Like the first interior designer worked for, or like did some pieces for right um, after I quit my job. It was amazing creating with her because she obviously, oh, she's an incredible designer. And we kind of, you know, came up with an idea concept together. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was such a nice back and forth. So of course that happens and it's like amazing. And that, I mean, that happens actually pretty frequently, but um, I just, when I feel like it's all kind of an expression, you know what I mean? So if Mm -hmm. it's something that you really want to do and you don't have any like pressure of whatever somebody's expectations, it just turns out like so much better. Yeah. I mean, that, it makes a lot of sense. Like what does, what does a, a typical day for you look like as a professional artist like what does what is sort of your like routine look like like are you painting every day are you going for walks and sketching things mm-hmm. like what does your day even start to look like um is there a normal pattern or is it totally random I mean sometimes it's random but I'm big on routine but I I read this book that Mary John's sister um, Maggie told me to read it's called The Artist's Way and if anybody, I think you might like it, Ryan. Um, if anybody like is kind of blocked or stuck or like want to pursue artistic things, but you know, struggling to do so, it was like pretty life changing for me. Um, mm-hmm. The reason I'm mentioning that is because um, the author, Julia Cameron, she like had us do all these exercises, and she has us like write every single morning. So, mm-hmm. um, and then every week do something that's like she calls it an artist date which is basically just doing something like for fun it could be for an hour or whatnot Mm -hmm. but essentially my normal day is I wake up I write for 30 minutes it's like three pages of stream of consciousness writing um Mm -hmm. I go to the gym um and then I do some I it's been a lot of like talking to people sometimes I just do art right away in the morning because it's like beautiful lighting and then I've been, you know, putting more of my time into the real estate development stuff. So a lot of, a lot of writing for that really. Um, Mm -hmm. and like, you know, solidifying ideas, but yeah, it's very nice that you have like, you know, freedom with your day. Yeah. I've I've got to find like the discipline too, of course. Yeah. It's it's like a mix of like free flowing and some semblance of like structure and routine. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah to kind of piggyback on that a little bit, like, are you, are you, do you paint every single day? Like, is it something that is part of you ever, like that you do all the time? I would say not right now. No, but when I did, 
Um, and I'm kind of like not happy about that. I must say, like, I'm going to try to find more time, but when I did like first quit my like nine to five job, I, um, did paint every day and it was Mm. so nice. Um, even if it's just for like a couple hours in the morning, um, but there's something so gratifying about that. Um, and now recently it's just, it's kind of been a lot of like communicating with people, um, Mm -hmm. with stuff I've already produced, like back in the summer when I was like, you know, making a ton of work, but I have a feeling it'll be like ups and downs like that. Do you have a favorite piece or favorite pieces that you've created across your entire lifetime that you're like, man, I'm most proud of this, or this was the coolest thing I've ever done. Like do any stand out? You've created so much stuff. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to think. Um, there's one nude and honestly, I didn't even like appreciate it as much until like my best friend, like really was like, Oh my God, I love this so much. And like other people loved it too. Um, Mm -hmm. that I did while I was in Rome in watercolor. Um, and it's like relatively small, it's medium, but it's like a nude woman. And I just love it. It's like, it was a quick 10 minute, I think, or something like that. Um, where you were just forced to be like free and not in your head about anything. Mm -hmm. But I think that's probably like, it's very, um, yeah, like one of my favorites for sure. Okay. And then my other question off of that is, do you have, again, it seems like you've kind of done a wide range of like sizes of, you know, some things that are massive 40 by forties are like, I don't even know if you've done things bigger than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you do tiny little prints. Like, do you have a mm-hmm. preference of size and kind of, how do you decide like, Oh, this is going to be a big one. This is going to be a little, you know, a sketch in my journal. Like how do you yeah. pick, pick and choose that? Honestly, I, I just feel like it's whatever you feel. Um, I think it's, I mean, gosh, it's hard because I'm a very disciplined person too, but I, I kind of think it's like, literally whatever you feel like doing because Mm -hmm. yeah I do like a lot of tiny stuff too that's very quick or you can work you know 25-30 hours on like a giant piece too Mm -hmm. um depends on what it's for I like both but sometimes I like the quicker stuff better yeah and and it's interesting yeah because like I know Mm -hmm. for myself as an artist like when I work on stuff I am such a I'm not in I am not loose there is no looseness it is like very like perfectionist so like the bigger I go the more like daunting it becomes because I'm like okay I'm doing this like grid by grid by grid whereas like smaller I'm like all right it's only you know four by six I can finish this in a couple weeks yeah no Ryan I'm this or I'm the same way for sure I think it's like kind of um you almost have to just like fight that somehow but I started Mm -hmm. to move away because I felt very like crippled by you know a daunting task spending that many hours on a piece of art even though mm-hmm. it's beautiful but is it the way my brain naturally works mm-hmm. um, and it's been helpful I think yeah I but, I, de- I mean I yeah. don't think I I don't I clearly don't like paint or draw enough anymore to like improve I don't think I'm like doing it a couple times a year just to like clear but you're my brain so, but you're so good I know I remember you had one drawing of a baby <laughs> I do have a drawing of a baby that was like that that is one so of my cute. more favorite pieces I love it yeah. But I, I, I don't know. I, I don't make, I, I don't know if I don't make enough time to do it or what, but I'm like very particular in it now in yeah. my, in my old age, I need to need to loosen yeah. up. Um, do <laughs> totally. you have like, you gotta favorite, make time. do you have like favorite subjects that you work on? Cause you kind of, again, like span the gamut, you've done tigers and toucans, you've done mm-hmm. like travel kind of 
scenes, mm-hmm. you've done architect, you know, buildings, you, you know, you do plants, yeah. like there's all kinds of different stuff that you do. Do you have yeah. favorites in there? I think my favorites are the figures for sure. Mm-hmm. Like people, um, I don't know, there's something, and of course I like architecture too, but I just, I don't know how to explain it. I just love doing figures. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's so like expressive and like human and instead Mm -hmm. of, I feel like it, I don't know. I feel like people can really like read emotion or like from another person's posture or something like that. And it can just make you, aside from like light and color and whatever, um, you connect with it more than like, Mm -hmm. uh, of course I love like doing all all things, but just more than, you know, things that aren't. That's funny. Like, do you, are you, Cause sometimes you're painting strangers. Like, what is it like for you now? I guess like just walking around and like living your life. Like, do you feel like as you're now like a, you know, professional artist and like, this is your job to create, like, do you find yourself more observant as you're walking about? Do you find like, I mean, you just mentioned like, oh yeah, the posture, that person's posture was telling me something. Like, do you find Mm -hmm. yourself noticing that more now than you did (sighs) in your past? I think if anything, it would be less that, but more color. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was something like an art class. I specifically remember in like eighth grade, I took an art class maybe in the summer down here in West Palm. And like, I really learned how to mix colors and stuff. And then she talked about like shadows and everything. And so I remember like really analyzing things when I was wa- walking around, but mm-hmm. I think it's more with color than with other things. Got it. So, yeah. yeah, and I, I, I have like an obsession with color. And so, like, do you find like you walk in somewhere and you be like, "Oh my god, that that green on this chalkboard is the most beautiful <laughs> thing I've ever seen." Like, do you does that happen? Well, I don't know why I just went to a chalkboard. Honestly, I haven't seen a chalkboard. No, in- I was like, "Oh, I love that chalkboard." <laughs> um, no, honestly, yeah. Um, I especially fall in love with color. I have, I mean, lighting and color. Like, I fall in love with paint colors on buildings, even if it's like a weird little building I just painted this I did like a literal wash rendering where I like drafted it out and then did a wash rendering of a laundromat like around the corner because I loved mm-hmm. it um I love the color and like the retro vibe but yeah I think it's just more like light and color and I love like I wish I could remember it like perfectly but and you can't really with take it with pictures but yeah, yeah. so that mm-hmm. that goes in a little bit to my follow-up to that is like what I guess is your process of making something like, is it, okay, I'm going to go and sit outside. Like, do you, will you literally like sit on the corner outside this laundromat and like get your you know paper out and sketch it? Do you take a photo? Like what is your tip? Like, I don't know if there is a typical process to do it, but like, where do you begin? I guess, where does yeah. the process start? Um, for the laundromat thing, it's funny we're like talking about this because I thought people would think I was like crazy for spending my time doing this. But no, I took photos and then I tried to make it like as much of like a measured drawing as I could. It didn't take that much time actually. But um, and then sometimes like I would j- sometimes you go and just draw like right in- from life. I think from life is usually better because you just get more of a feel for it. Um, it doesn't need to be perfect and. I often find that like I I didn't want to do this at first like in college because I thought it was harder drawing from life which of course it is but it's more kind of like a direct translation from what you're seeing to your hand rather than mm-hmm. something that's already you know 
cropped on a little image. Um, and then you just get the feel for it more. It, mm -hmm. Again, it's not going to be as perfect as if you copied it from a photo, but. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, my, my, I, I always am curious, mm -hmm. like with people who are like so talented as artists, like when you travel and you were going to Rome or you're going to Cuba or you're going to wherever, you know, London, are you bringing like, or even now, if like, obviously we're not traveling a ton, but if you were to go and, and come up to Boston for a, a week or something, would you like bring a watercolor set with you and little notebooks? Like, what do you travel with when you, uh, when you're on the move? Yeah. As nerdy as this is, I definitely always do that. Um, maybe like a little watercolor kit, some paper, like a watercolor block. And then I don't know, like a sketchbook too. Sometimes you don't get around to it, but um it's always nice when you're traveling of course because you see like great things and then you have this memento from when you wherever you went mm -hmm. that's kind of nice um all right yeah. so i just have i just have a <laughs> couple more questions here to kind of like round things out we'll do a little bit of a little bit of rapid fire okay. is there is there anything that you've made in your lifetime that you would like never sell that you're like you make it and you're like, oh, this is this is too personal to me, or this is something like I would never want anybody else to have. I'm sure there is, but like, do any come to mind? Yeah, for sure. I think I'm like weird with that um, because I never really wanted to be an artist to sell things. I feel like in my head, I have to think before I make it, am I, is this for somebody else, like whoever it is, or is it for me? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's like a lot of things that, mainly because I probably didn't do it enough. And now that I have been doing it so much, it's like, I can't like, of course I need to sell like a bunch of this stuff, but it used to all be like sentimental for me because it reminded me of like this time or that or whatnot. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's a ton of stuff that I'm like, I'm keeping this for forever. <laughs> yeah. Where do you yeah. like, where do you, at this point, do you keep everything? <laughs> I like, does it just oh, get gosh. stashed on um, your bed? Like, where does it all go? <laughs> No, well, I hopefully I'm going to frame some things too and um, hang them up in my apartment. Um, but my dad just bought, I'm very lucky. He just bought a warehouse. Um, and so I'm using like part of the lofted space and the warehouse is my studio. So I'm going to hang some stuff in there too. But mm -hmm. yeah, all of, a lot of the small stuff is just like stacked in store. I know like yeah. when, when I go uh, home to like my parents' house, like all of my old like sketches and drawings are like in a little like Manila, like a big Manila yeah. folder, like sitting under my mom's bed. Exactly. My mom just looked at all our kindergarten first grade the other day. <laughs> yeah. I'm like these are going to be worth millions someday. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. So my, I guess my last question, and I've, I have I didn't really do this for a long time in the podcast. And I, I'm like, you listen to all these great podcasts. They all have like one question, one like thing that they ask all their guests, the same thing. So my question for you, and I, I end every episode of the podcast with stay weird. So my question for you is like, what makes you weird? Um, I just something like made me try to just go do something that I felt the urge to pursue when I think a lot of people don't and I think people should kind of listen to their like guidance more
a wrap on this week's episode of Destination Different. Thank you to Lizzie for coming on the show. When I first reached out to her, I had no idea some of the elements of her background. I had like I, I knew she went to graduate school for art, but I didn't really know what it was. I didn't know she had traveled all over the place working across working across the globe as an architect. So it was an added bonus when I thought all she did was, you know, paint and, and was doing that. She's has a whole nother side to her that I didn't even know about. So thank you to Lizzie for joining me on the show. It was so nice to it's always always good on these episodes where I like have have some history and, and know a little bit about the guests personally. And so it was so nice to just like catch up and hear what she's been doing and I'm like so proud of what she's created and what she's what she's working on and I have no doubt that this business that she's working on or her own personal art like is just going to continue to grow and and become a big thing. So I'm excited to follow what she's up to next. And other than that, that's really a wrap for this week. Like I said at the top, this train is all about consistency. It is one foot in front of the other, just slowly chip, 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 chipping away at getting more people to listen, at getting more people to pay attention, at sharing it out, at creating more content around the show. And if you're not already, I highly encourage that you go follow Destination Different on Instagram, that you follow Destination Different on TikTok, that you keep up with me over on Twitter at Rye3Done. All of those places, I'm sharing out the latest and greatest from the podcast. And if you do not want to miss an episode, keep up with us at those social channels. That's it. We'll be back again next week, next Wednesday, with another episode of Destination Different. Until then, stay weird. Just a couple hours I can't tell the difference Between what's fake and what's been missing Often I'm misunderstood So I'm looking for a better me This is your love song, baby I hope that you know the words This is your love song, baby I hope that you know what you Oh, oh, oh. We should take time, take time